Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Christmas edition of Topical with Michael Schaefer. It's me, Michael Schaefer, your host. First of all, Merry Christmas to you all. I know I'm a Jew and it probably doesn't mean much to get a Merry Christmas from a Jew, but I hope that you are having a lovely Christmas. I hope that if you are currently spending time with your family, you've gone back to visit the family over the holidays. I hope that your mental health is surviving. It is a it is a shame that during the part of the year when people most need access to mental health clinicians, it's the very time of the year where they're also all on holiday because right now I'm just seeing all of my friends have absolute meltdowns on social media about all the crazy things that their families are doing and saying around the Christmas lunch uh, around the house. And oh, if you're one of those people who has to nod politely as your uncle tells you his thoughts on why he voted no at the referendum or why immigrants are taking everyone's jobs, then I salute you and I, I hear you and I see you. And I know it's a tough time. I will say this, that every year I find that all of my, you know, non-Jewish friends, all two of them, they always complain about their families and, and the time they're spending with their families and how hard it is to, to deal with the idiosyncrasies of their parents and their aunties and their brothers and their sisters. And that is true. But I also think, just be glad you're not Jewish because Jews have to do this shit like every two months because we have so many fucking holidays that we are constantly required to spend time with our families like christians once a year they have to you know go home for a couple of days over christmas boxing day to see their elderly parents and to try to make sure that they're still in the will whereas jews we have to do that like six times a year it's we have to do it on Jewish New Year, then we have to do it on Yom Kippur, we have to do it on Passover, you know, not to mention there's the Hanukkahs and there's the Purims and all these other Jewish festivities that are happening constantly throughout the year. We're constantly required to spend time with our families and to explain to our parents that, uh, yes, uh, doing comedy is a real career. So I think that if you're a Christian, just you should be thanking Jesus every day that you were not born Jewish because you wouldn't last one lunar calendar year being Jewish if you can't handle three days with your family towards the end of the year. You're probably wondering, Michael, why are you even doing a podcast right now? Well, first of all, it gives me an excuse to lock myself in my childhood bedroom away from my family for an hour. So that's firstly one of the main reasons why I'm doing it. I I told my family I'm recording my podcast right now. I'm staying with them at the moment while I'm visiting Australia. And this is one way of me getting peace and quiet. One way. I now understand why fathers now take 45-minute poos on the toilet because they're probably pooing for the first five minutes and the next 40 is just time to themselves. So if you ever think your, your daddy or grandfather is constipated, no, he just needs a bit of time away. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm recording my podcast in my childhood bedroom, having a bit of a, a bit of time away from the family. 
and I understand why you're probably thinking, Michael, you know, why are you doing a podcast right now? I mean, it's Christmas, it's Boxing Day. Everyone's taking time. But the time between, you know, Christmas and New Year's, it's just this weird amorphous time. All the days linked together. Time doesn't really exist. It's the closest you can kind of get to being in a black hole, I think, is just these five, six days between Christmas and, and the New Year. That's the closest where kind of like time just stands still. You can see into the past. You can see into the future. You're not really in the present. The cricket's on. You don't really know what's happening. It is a strange time, but... You know, someone's got to be out there making content because all the Christians are taking, all the non-Jews are taking time off work. You know, the only people working right now are the Jews and the Chinese. Those are the only people who are doing any work right now, The because someone's got to run the banks and someone's got to you know, make sure that there's takeaway available at 2am. So the only people who are running anything right now are the Jews and the Chinese. Let's be honest, we run most of the shit most of the time. People always are like, oh, you know, Chinese people are going to take over the world and, and Jews run the world slash will take over the world. Yeah, because we just, we outwork you all. When you guys take this week off, this is when we get all of our, our shit done. So if you guys want to be the master race and pull yourselves out of this black hole for the week and get some goddamn work done and make some content like I am. But of course, the big controversy this week, this is the reason why I'm really making an episode this week. I thought about taking it off, but I just... I have to talk about this. There was a huge story in Australia. There was a Palestinian protest at the Carols by Candlelight evening. We had protests by Candlelight this year. And I have to say, it really does show the the brittle spirit of conservatives who just can't handle their bubble being penetrated by anything at any moment because if you weren't across this story the cows by candlelight basically every year at the sydney my music bowl here in melbourne you know we get the families go down they sit on the lawn and they watch some people who were on australian idol in 2008 uh, sing some christmas carols it's a big deal it's a big thing on the calendar and there's you know lots of choirs. It's hosted by someone from who from Channel Nine, who I think does breakfast TV. And it's just like a nice, wholesome family event. Families go there, and you know they sing some Christmas carols. They put on their Christmas hats. I think they're trying to raise money for some Christmas stuff. Once a year, people get together and they're like, "Hey, let's make some tax deductible donations because that's what Jesus would have wanted." So. It's kind of like, it's a nice, wholesome event. I, I don't want to make fun of it too much, but it is a nice, wholesome event. And, you know, obviously the whole thing is ridiculous, but it, it doesn't hurt anyone. So it's a nice, wholesome event. But this year, it was gay crash, or some people would say ruined by some pro-Palestinian protesters who jumped up on stage. They had a Palestinian flag. They ran around on stage for a little bit. One of them seized a microphone and said, kids in Gaza are being killed and... As they yelled that uh, important message, uh, they were dragged away, kicking and screaming by security, which is, of course, you know, very much the spirit of Christmas. As uh, as Jesus, I think he said himself in Matthew twenty one seventeen, he said, uh, when there is a war slash humanitarian crisis slash potential genocide happening, uh, it's really important that everyone shut the fuck up about it uh, and watch me turn this water into wine. So they were carted off the stage. Now, look, should they have 
gay crashed the carols by candlelight event probably not if you want to get your message across just because like no one really watches it so i don't think you're really kind of getting going to get eyeballs on your process nonetheless here i am talking about it right now so maybe maybe they very much did i would not have even known that i would have completely forgotten about the carols by candlelight event this year if not for the protesters drawing attention to it by running amok it was fun watching them protest because it was clear they were shocked that they ever managed to get on the stage because you saw them get on the stage and then they kind of just stood around and were like oh like now what do we do if you guys if you're a protester and you're going to like gate crash something have something prepared to do have something prepared to say or do like this the lady who grabbed the microphone and, and yelled kids are being bombed in gaza that was clearly impro- like that was she just thought of that on the spot she was like oh shit here i am um I, the security hasn't escorted me off yet i didn't know i'd have so much time i guess i better grab the microphone and say something otherwise it gets a bit, a bit awkward so if you are going to plan a protest i think just have a plan have a plan i mean if you're going to go to the effort of getting the flags of running on stage uh, have have a plan have something to say maybe they could could they have maybe they could have like it's crazy that at an event that's all about carols and singing and singing that they didn't just break out into like from the river to the sea or something just say say something if you're going to get up there i think for me that was kind of the most disappointing part of the protest it's like you've got you've done a real you've achieved a lot by getting this this platform for yourselves and then they kind of just ran around with the palestinian flag took people time to even know what they were kind of like doing everyone's like i think for some for a second people are like oh i haven't i don't know this this is a strange carol i didn't know that they were going to break out into free free palestine is that a carol i mean technically jesus was i guess he was technically palestinian i think so maybe this is one of the long lost uh, carols that jesus himself came up with so people were so so confused watching it i was confused watching the replay of it and then of course they get escorted off they get dragged away kicking and screaming people and then you got these people who are like on twitter being like this has ruined my christmas this has ruined my christmas my christmas has been ruined it has been destroyed by having a 60 second interruption to the carols by candlelight feed it has ruined christmas being reminded of something happening in the real world, very close to the birthplace of Jesus on Christmas, a guy who was Jewish and Palestinian, it has ruined Christmas. How could you bring this up on Christmas? How could you bring up a war that is happening in the Middle East while we celebrate the birth of a guy who was Jewish and Palestinian, who definitely has a couple of horses in the race here? How could you bring it up? This is not the time nor the place for this protest. I mean, I can't think of a better time nor place to bring up Palestine than when you're celebrating the birth of the most famous Jewish Palestinian. I mean, that's that's the best time to bring that up. You could argue it's the only time, really, that you should be bringing it up. Nonetheless, people are saying, oh, this has ruined Christmas for me. Guys, if this has ruined your Christmas, I really hope that Santa brought you a big bucket of cement so that you can harden the fuck up. How fragile, how brittle are you in spirit and mind that just seeing people run around on stage for 60 seconds with a palestinian flag 
and hear the words, there's a kids in Gaza are dying. How does that really ruin your Christmas? I just think it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's, if you're the person, if you think that that has ruined your Christmas, then almost certainly you are the person who ruins Christmas for everyone else at your family. You are the aunt who is at the Christmas lunch and who is trying to bait people to talk about how the Little Mermaid is black and, and trying to bait people to talk about how Pauline Hansen has a point. Like, you're the, if you're the, per, you're the person who is 100% ruining Christmas for everyone else, if you, if you think that that has ruined Christmas, and then they're like, oh, but how do I explain this to my children? How do I, ex- how do I explain this to my children? I've, I'm here with my children, watching them sing their carols. And we're celebrating the birth, the virgin birth of the Son of God who, put, who walked on water and turned water into wine and then was crucified and came back to life three days later. I mean, I can explain all that shit to my kids. That is easy. I, that makes complete sense. Yeah, Santa, a dude running around the globe with 12 reindeer and going down everyone's chimneys and dropping off gifts that makes that is easy to explain to my kids. I can explain that that is that is intuitive. That is an easy thing to explain. Santa, Jesus, Mary giving birth despite not fucking anyone ever. That I can explain to my children. However, how am I going to explain to my children the fact that there is an ongoing dispute in the Middle East between Israel and Palestine. How do I? I mean, to be fair, that is a complex thing to explain. I mean, it's it's I I find it hard to explain and understand myself, as do most people. But I think that's probably easier for your kids to get their heads around than uh, a guy getting nailed to a cross for your sins for some reason. So, I just think that if you're finding this hard to explain to your children. Maybe you shouldn't have had kids. I hate the argument that parents are always making whenever you know they disagree with with something, whether it's you know gay rights or, or, or it's almost always like gay rights, trans people, drag queens. Like, how do I explain this to my kids? How do I explain the fact that there are gay people in the world to my kids? Well, if you can't explain quite easy, basic things to your children. That, let's be honest, they're eventually going to have to deal with at some point in their lives. Maybe you shouldn't have had kids. If you don't want to explain shit to your kids, then maybe you shouldn't have had kids. Or just don't. Let the, the, let, put them in front of Google and say, you fucking work it out, mate. I, I don't, I don't want to... I'm going to abrogate my responsibilities as a parent right now to the internet. Mm-hmm. So all these people are like, how do I explain this to my kids? Just You don't have to explain any shit to your kids if you don't want to. They'll figure it out or they won't. They're not. Tra- they're acting like these children. My children have been traumatized. My children have been traumatized. Man, do you know? I feel like it's such a, it's such an insular and such a, a, and selfish thing to say. Oh, my children are being traumatized when there's like literally kids on the other side of the world like being blown to pieces, and they're like, but this is about me. This is about. So I mean, these people are so good at making everything about themselves. Just being like. No, 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 no. This war in the Middle East is not as important as my children being able to sit through 
Anthony Kalia singing Jingle Bells uninterrupted, okay? That is more important than raising awareness about a humanitarian crisis across the world. I mean, really, what a wonderful way to evoke the, the spirit of Jesus Christ himself by uh, prioritizing your own insular little bubble ahead of uh, a humanitarian crisis that is killing thousands and thousands of kids every day. What I will say about this is my main criticism of the protest. I don't really give a shit how people protest. As long as you don't, like, I guess, harm anyone else or hurt anyone else. Do whatever you want. I really do believe in in freedom of speech. Like, go for it. My only thing is that I don't... Like, if you're trying to get people to join your cause, I'm just not sure if, like, protesting the, the carols by candlelight is the way to do it. You know, we we've just seen recently... The, uh, you know, the Jester Boyle protesters, the Extinction Rebellion protesters, they, they block traffic, you know, and then they glue themselves to airplanes. And that doesn't endear, that doesn't get people on their side. They're not endearing themselves to their opponents when they're just fucking annoying everyone so, so much. So I do think that if you're going to do a protest, you have to find a way to get publicity without annoying the fuck out of people. Which is why I think the you know those climate change protesters who go and throw like soup and, and tomato cans on artwork in museums, they're the ones who are actually doing it the right way. Because first of all, they're getting publicity. Everyone talks about it whenever they throw a piece, a can of soup at a Picasso. Everyone's talking about that. And on top of that, they're not really like fucking up anyone's day. Because, I mean, if you go to the museum and you go to the Picasso and you see it's covered in soup, you'll probably think, oh, maybe this is just like a, a piece of modern art dedicated to Picasso. It's about the ephemeral nature of art, about how art is more than just the, the strokes of the brush on the page. It's about how we see it and deal with it in the context of the modern age and how it symbolizes something that's valuable and priceless that can be used to make a statement, whether it's political, social, environmental. So even if you see the artwork... With the tomato can super cross it, you can probably be like, you can probably just make up some bullshit meaning in your head for yourself. It doesn't really affect really your enjoyment of the art. So I feel like, and also the art's always covered in like screens and stuff. So you can't actually destroy the art by throwing a can of soup at it. So I think those guys have got the, are doing the right thing. I think if the Palestinian protesters want to get people on their side, just go to the Mona Lisa and I don't know, spray paint free Palestine over the Mona Lisa's smiling face. Personally, I think that would firstly get heaps of attention, let's be honest, heaps of attention. And you're not really, I mean, the Mona Lisa is behind like 12 meters of bulletproof glass. So you're not really going to be able to cause any damage to it. I think that's the best way to cause, you know, to cause, to get some publicity and also get people to know more about your cause. Because I, I don't think the protests and the carols by candlelight and ruining, again, not ruining, but interrupting it, you know, for for people is really kind of going to get people on the side of the Palestinians. I don't think anyone watching it is like, you know, I, I didn't really, I was kind of pro-Israel, but then I saw a, a, a lady, you know, shriek kids in Gaza being killed into a microphone before being dragged away by security. And then I realized, oh, yes, of course. It's the Palestinians that we have to support here. Like, I don't think they were swaying anyone's minds. And we saw an even worse protest recently in Chicago, these free Palestine, these pro-Palestine uh, supporters blocked the freeway, blocked, blocked the motorway that 
uh, was the turnoff to the Chicago airport. So basically, they were blocking all the traffic that was going to Chicago airport. And that's a really... I mean, because you're, you're stopping people from going home to to see their families for the holidays. And now that I think about it, that might actually be a really great protest because the people who don't want to go back and see their families and who are only flying back to see their families out of obligation, those people are going to be like, oh, thank God, I have an excuse for missing my flight and not seeing my family. I mean, what a... That's actually... That would that actually probably gets a lot of people on side because a lot of people would be like, oh, no, I cannot spend the week with my family now because the road is blocked off and I won't make it to my flight in time. Oh, no. And the Uber driver's probably like, no, nah, mate, it's totally fine. I can, there's actually a new route I can take. It'll take only be five minutes. I'll go around the other route. We'll get you to the airport with plenty of time. And you're like, no, 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 let's... Don't do that. Uh, no, it's a... What a shame. There's no other possible way to get to the airport. Oh, no, I'll have to call my parents and tell them, sadly, I won't be able to join them for Christmas lunch to find out what they really think is behind Joe Biden's mask. So I do think that that protest might have helped get some people on board with that cause because it helps them avoid their families over the Christmas period. That's great. But then again, there's also some people who actually, there are these sickos out there who do enjoy spending time with their families. It's very, it's very strange. There are some people out there who actually do quite look forward to going back and seeing their families and spending time in their childhood bedrooms for a few days and, you know, playing Scrabble with their uh, dementia-ridden parents. Some people do enjoy that, mostly because it's easy to win Scrabble when your parents are demented. Some people do enjoy, you know, an easy target. So those people, those people who are upset to be missing their flights are going to be looking at these Palestinian protesters and being like, well, fuck you guys. I mean, I, I'm going to switch sides now. I was, I was from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And now I'm bring them home, bring them home, bring home the hostages. So I just think that when you're protesting for something, you've got to think about how people are going to react to it. I think sometimes the protesters, I mean, let's, I don't want to cast aspersions on their motivations, but a lot of the time it is self-grandizing. A lot of the time they do want to be seen as heroic and as, you know, martyrs. They want to be seen as like, you know, the modern day Rosa Parks and I do think that the way in which we have like glorified people like Greta Thunberg not to say that she's doing anything wrong in fact I think she's actually been so impressive in the way that she's kind of galvanized an entire generation of of people to care about the climate but the way in which we've like put Greta Thunberg on a pedestal and been like she is a hero she is our modern day messiah she's a savior well what that does it just encourages these absolute narcissists, these absolute egotists to look at that and be like, oh, well, I'd love to get a bit of adulation myself. So let me find a cause that is popular amongst young people and I'll just, you know, martyr myself for that cause irrespective of whether or not it actually helps the cause or not. So I do suspect that the way in which we do like, you know, turn people like Greta Thunberg into just heroes and martyrs for their cause it does encourage other people to develop a messiah complex of themselves and to kind of want the attention. Because if you really did want to draw attention to what is happening in Palestine 
and you wanted to get people on board with your cause and and call for a ceasefire, etc. I don't think you'd be fucking up their holiday plans. I don't think you'd be interrupting Carol's by candlelight. What you would be doing is be, you'd be going to a museum and fucking up a, 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 a and fucking up a, a something from you know the impressionist period. Some some just fucking just get a Picasso, take a shit on it, and say it's for Palestine. Do something that gets attention but doesn't you know fuck up everyone's day. The other big story that I saw this week was uh, an engineer who works at the Tesla factory in Austin, Texas was attacked by one of the machines that puts together the, the, the Tesla vehicles. Now, this happened back in 2021, but it only came to light a, a couple of days ago because the, the HR report were finally made public. And everyone's saying like, oh my God, it's just another example you know, of Elon Musk cutting corners. Another example of, of a man who just doesn't give a shit about you know, the safety and welfare of his employees. You know, he's willing to sacrifice his own employees in order to, you know, progress and make these cars in the cheapest way possible, etc., etc. Look, that might be true, but I do think this is also some sort of, I think it's progress for Tesla because often their cars are blowing up and exploding. So often we're seeing reports of a Tesla just spontaneously combusting in the middle of the road because it, you know, it comes across... A stop sign it reads a stop sign and it goes oh stop you mean stop existing boom and it blows up so we often see people dying as a result of their cars blowing up so i think that if we're going from people blowing up to in just employees being maimed by these machines i think that's progress i think going from blowing up to maiming is a step forward i do think that's i think we could spin this as a positive like yes the man was attacked by a machine in what we can only presume was some sort some sort of horrific remake of the terminator movies it's the very thing that we've been worried about machines becoming sentient realizing that they have a mind of their own developing their own consciousness understanding that humans are the enemy and that we must be destroyed yes that is bad and yes, this is a sign of the impending AI apocalypse and of us all becoming enslaved by the robots in the upcoming robot wars. That will make things like the Matrix look like Alice in Wonderland. Yes, that's on its way. But I think in terms of Tesla, it's good news because instead of the news being about their car blowing up because it came across a zebra crossing, uh, it's now just an employee you know, getting cut up a little bit by a, a giant robotic arm. So I do think that this is, I think this is good news for, for Elon Musk and I look forward to him, you know, spinning this in a positive light. And also, you know, people say, hey, fuck you, Elon Musk. You, you're, you, you, you're firing all these people. You're doing all these redundancies at your companies, at Twitter, at Tesla, all these other companies that you own at SpaceX, doing all these redundancies. You're, you're firing all these people and leaving them without an income and a livelihood during a, a cost of living crisis, fuck you. Well, maybe he was doing them a favor because maybe he was taking them out of an environment where they were going to be maimed by machines. So did you ever think of that? Did you ever think that maybe Elon Musk was trying to save these people from losing a leg or an arm at the workplace? Did you ever think of that? 
you lefty scumbags. So I just think that sometimes Elon Musk, you know, I think he gets a bit of a bad rap because I think this is progress that instead of the story being about a family of five being immolated, it's just an engineer potentially losing a limb. Something that I will say about driverless cars, I, I am surprised that we are at, a, I'm, I'm surprised that people trust them because, you know, Elon Musk, you know, is like driverless cars is the future. You know, the technology is there. We're doing it. It's happening. You know, there, there are parts of like San Francisco, for example, where, you know, parts of the, the city are being zoned now as places where driverless cars can drive and they're going to start running you know, ex experiments and tests on these driverless cars to make sure that, well, to see if they're safe, basically. Now, I, there, and of course, there are lots of people who think that's great. You know, let's do it. It's all about progress. My concern is that I don't think the technology is ready. I don't think the driverless car technology is ready. And I'm not even talking about them blowing up every now and again. See, my concern with driverless cars is that we are presuming that a, a, that a driverless car has the technology to like drive around safely on the roads. But then when you need to like confirm your humanity on the internet, they ask you to identify all the traffic lights in a picture to see if you're a robot or a human. And I feel if, if we can't trust AI to identify a traffic light, I don't think they're ready to be driving around the streets yet. I mean, it's the same technology, isn't it? We've got... Uh, how is it that a robot can drive a driverless car uh, safely but also can't identify a traffic light? I don't, I don't trust them. I, that, that's a paradox to me. I don't, I don't think that... Until robots can identify the traffic lights in those capture puzzles, I don't think we can have driverless cars on the road. And the problem is it's not just, it's not just the capture puzzle. It's not, it's not just the traffic lights. All the things in a capture puzzle typically... Uh, stuff you'd see on the road so you know sometimes it'll be like hey can you identify uh this zebra crossing can you identify this motorcycle can you identify this identify all the squares that have a bicycle these are things that you encounter on the road i think if we can't trust the robot technology to identify all these things we can't put them in cars on the road because they're gonna they're not gonna they're gonna go through a red light they're gonna go over zebra crossing and kill a lollipop lady they're going to hit all the cyclists. And yes, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe getting the cyclists off the road will be progress for humanity. But I, I'm, I'm just concerned about the traffic lights and the zebra crossings not being identified. I'm happy for them to kill all the cyclists. I don't mind that because, you know, as a driver, I'm often stuck behind a cyclist on the road. And I would love to be able to you know, just run them over. And, you know, because cyclists are a huge contributor to traffic. They are often the ones who are slowing down cars. So when Elon Musk comes out and says, oh, driverless cars will actually reduce traffic because all, you know, I think what he's saying is they'll reduce traffic because they're going to uh, murder all the cyclists. And all of a sudden you won't have to go 20 kilometers an hour behind a middle-aged man in Lycra uh, who's showing off the definition of his, his scrotum to everyone that passes by so look maybe that is maybe that is one positive of the driverless cars yes they might remove the cyclists from the road but i'm just still concerned about the technology not being there yet because uh, if you can't find a traffic if you can't identify all the squares of a traffic light you, you probably 
you can't probably can't drive a car. I mean, that was a big when I got my license when I was eighteen. I failed it the first time because I did. I was speeding. I did like sixty in a forty zone. Didn't realize it was a forty zone, so I did sixty in a forty zone. So I I failed the first time, and then the second time I did it in the suburb of Carlton, where there is only forty zones. You can't you 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 can never go faster than forty. So I managed to pass the test by just doing like. 33 kilometers an hour and almost failed because the instructors said like hey you were like dangerously slow at some points and i was like well last time i was dangerously fast so you know just it's hard to be perfectly in the middle driving instructor and if it makes that driving instructor feel driving instructor feel any better i'm constantly speeding now so i've made up for my driving test by always doing doing like you know 10 percent of the speed limit. I kind of treat speed limits the way I treat, you know, tipping in America. I always add like 10 or 20%, you know, and that makes up, I think, for going too slow in my driver's test back when I was 18. Nonetheless, uh, I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, if you, you have to be able to identify a traffic light to pass a driver's test. That was like one of my big, big things. They also said to me, can you, can you do a, I remember doing the test, you either got to do, they either asked you to do a parallel park or a three-point turn. And God, I was like dreading having to do the parallel park because, you know, you're the one when you have to reverse backwards into the spot and try not to hit the car behind you or the car in front of you. That actually is really hard. That takes a lot of skill and effort. I feel like a robot could do that pretty well because, you know, they've got the sensors they can detect stuff. But humans can't do that very well. So I can see how driverless cars would be great for like parking, but again, I just think you've got to be able to identify a traffic light. I mean, sure. I mean, it's also weird how, you know, you know, you're not allowed to drink and drive, but we're going to be putting cars on the road that can't identify traffic lights. I would personally prefer to be, I think I'd be better driving drunk than driving all through the red lights. I think if I'm drunk driving, I think, and I've done that before, I have done it before. I know that's going to upset people. I've done it before. But in my defense, I'm driving in the country where, and I'm driving between wineries and I'm the only one on the road. And it's also cultural. If you're out in the Barossa Valley and you're not over, you're not at least like 0.04 or 0.06, I mean, you're actually, it's actually culturally offensive not to do a bit of drunk driving in those areas. Because everyone's a very, everyone's a little bit, everyone's a little bit lit in those areas as you're meant to be as you're meant to be if you're sober driving through those areas you're actually more likely to cause a crash because you're kind of like you know you don't you're not operating at the same level as everyone else is you know everyone if everyone's a little bit if everyone is a little bit drunk at like 0.05 then everyone is kind of in sync with each other so the safest thing to do when you're driving through wine country in australia some would argue anywhere in Australia because everyone's fucking drunk in this country. But if you're driving through wine country in Australia, it's always good to just be a little bit drunk, a little bit tipsy because that way you're in sync with all the other drivers on the road. I think that when the cops, if the cops pull you over in those areas, let's be honest, the cops themselves are pretty drunk when they pull you over. If they pull you over in those areas and you're dead sober, that's when they should take away your license. They should be like, mate, you've blown zero zero here. You, you know that that's a very, very dangerous alcohol reading to have you know in mclaren vale you know there's everyone here is cooked off their faces you need to be driving in sync 
with everyone else. You need to be on the same wavelength as all the other drivers. Otherwise, you're going to hit one of them. So, skull this uh, 2021 uh, Shiraz from McLaren Vale, skull it right now and get back behind the wheel and drive home safely because you got to be a little bit drunk to drive around those areas of the country. That's just the way it is. I'm sorry if the truth upsets you, but it does. I don't know what my point was, but I think it was this. I would prefer a drunk driver over a driverless car because I think a drunk driver is less likely to go through a red light or spontaneously combust. That's what I think. I was reading this article, by the way. I read the full article about the the Tesla engineer being attacked in the workplace by a sentient robot that foreshadows the demise of humanity. My favorite part of the article was they quoted a a statement from Tesla, and Tesla was trying to, you know, downplay the seriousness of the event. They're trying to be like, no, 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 nothing to see here. It was fine. He lost a couple of limbs, but you know that's fine. We're working on making some robotic limbs for him anyway, so this is great. He can be the next guinea pig for the robotic uh, arm uh, trials that we're running. So they're trying to downplay the seriousness of the incident. And my favorite thing they wrote in the report was that, don't worry, the man, the the employee, the engineer took zero days off work. Now, that could mean that. You know, he wasn't that badly injured, so he didn't have to take much time off work. And I hope that was the case. I hope he's not a double amputee right now. I really do hope that for his case. So I hope I hope it wasn't that bad. But the way the statement reads, it reads like this. It reads like, yeah, sure, the guy lost his arm, but we forced him to go back to work the next day because we don't offer our employees health insurance. I mean, what's more likely? What is more likely dear listener to have happened here that the guy was attacked by a robotic arm that puts that is so strong and powerful that it it seals the doors onto the tesla or uh and and wasn't that badly injured and wasn't that badly injured by this giant robot arm that has uh the power to mold steel uh or uh, that Tesla doesn't really care about its employees and doesn't have very strong OHS rules and practices in place. I mean, what do you? I, I don't want to go crazy here, but just based on everything that Elon Musk has said about his own employees, calling them lazy, calling them pieces of shit, saying that they should just be happy to have a job, comparing the public statements that Elon Musk has made with the possibility of this not being that serious an injury. I don't know. I'm going to, I think that what happened was the engineer goes to HR moments after the incident and says, Hey, um, as you can see, I've lost all of my limbs. Uh, I'm bleeding out here. Um, I'm going to have to take, I'm probably going to have to take, you know, the rest of the day off just because as you can see, um, I'm, I'm bleeding quite profusely. Um, and I'm a torso. That's all I am. I'm just a torso right now. And ahead, and I've been wheeled here. I've been carried here uh, by my other employees, as you can see around me. They've carried me into this HR office. Uh, I'm bleeding out profusely. Um, would it be okay if I just took the afternoon off to, you know, just go to the emergency department and hopefully they can stem the bleeding? Would that be okay? 
And HR is like, look, I'm going to have to run this up the chain. You know, we really have to get these cars ready because we made some promises to investors. And if the cars aren't ready, they might pull their money. And then, you know, Elon Musk might not be able to buy his 17th yacht. So let me just run this up the chain. And so the HR says, look, I'll get back to you. You just wait tight here. Uh, could just everyone just press tightly on the open wombs of his shoulders and, and groin area and I'll I'll come back shortly. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, the HR guy comes in and says, hey, um, so good news and bad news. Uh, the, uh, the bad news is Elon says you have to go back to work because, you know, he really needs that, that extra yacht. Um, the good news is um, uh, we're, we're going to, we're not going to deduct any pay for the, the 45 minutes that you, that you just took off to have this meeting with us. So yeah, I guess, you know, that's kind of, we feel like that's a fair middle ground. You just go back to work. We'll issue a statement that says you took zero days off just uh, and from this, uh, you know, minor incident. And uh, yeah. And, and, and that will, I think kind of smooth this over in the press and everyone will know that, you know, nothing really serious happened. And, you know, of course, by this time, the engineer is, is dead. But, um, you know, they put him back to work, you know, just like a, just on a bit of string they get him, they just kind of control him. You know, they, they get his arms. They, 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 what they would do is that the arms that got ripped off by the machine would then be installed as additional arms to be used to manufacture the cars robotically and artificially. So... I think when they say the man took zero days off, I think that's what they're getting at. They're saying he might be dead, but his limbs live on. And they are currently manufacturing the new Cybertruck uh, that is, uh, you know, bulletproof. So um, happy, happy holidays and, and just a happy conclusion for everyone all around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about all these all these fun and uh Awful, awful stories. That's I, I love talking about fun, awful things. It's kind of, I think that's my vibe. If you enjoyed this podcast, give it, give it a nice review on the internet. It helps other people discover it. I've got shows coming up in Perth, Fremantle and Melbourne in 2024. I'm very excited about that. Because as I said, Jews, we don't take time off. You know, we, uh, it, might be, it might be the holiest time of the year for you guys. But for us, it's just another bloody Wednesday. You know, because someone's got to run the banks. So... Head to my website, michaelshaver.com if you'd like to come see me do stand-up comedy live. In the meantime, I wish you a, a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas. I hope your Christmas wasn't ruined by these pesky pro-Palestinian protesters. And I wish you a happy new year. I look forward to seeing you all next year uh, in about one week for another episode of Topical. Good night.